You're now listening to the Fantasy Filler Podcast. Where we put you in the driver's seat every week, all year long. In the NASCAR racing world, from top news stories, latest results, and best fantasy lineups, we'll have you up to speed and out in front before the drop of the green flag. So let's dive in with our host, Vanilla Wafers. Race weekend number seven is now in the books for the 2023 season for the NASCAR Cup Series. NASCAR just made the return to Richmond Raceway with a brand new package that I'm pretty sure a lot of people were skeptical on. But after this race weekend, I'm pretty sure that has changed their mind for the short track package. We're going to be talking about the final results, how our fancy picks did, the biggest ups and downs and all arounds. All that will be covered on today's episode of the Fantasy Filler Podcast. I hope you guys really did enjoy the Richmond race because I surely did, and I was actually really surprised by that. I wasn't going to give this race too much credit just because of the past few years. It just hasn't been an action-packed race that we have seen from the other short tracks like Bristol always provides phenomenal chaotic races. Martinsville, minus last year, used to be one of the most exciting races of the year. And then Richmond, yeah, it was there. Like, nobody really wanted to see it on the schedule hardly anymore. And it got moved from being the grand finale for the regular season. And then it was also taken away from the playoffs. They were just like, no, we don't even want that race there. Just throw it in the middle of the fall or actually the month of August. And let's just pray it provides a good race. That was the state Richmond is at this time. Now we get a brand new package in here, and it created a really fun race overall here this weekend in the Cup Series. Can't really say it too much for the Xfinity Series. We talked about that for a little bit in last episode, but here in the Cup Series, it really did pay out, and we had some very surprising drivers finish inside the top 10 that we were not expecting, as well as some drivers that we expected to do really good in this race just really did not show up at all. So we're going to be covering that without further ado. Why don't we dive into the seventh race of the 2023 season for the Cup Series and look at the final results for the Toyota Owners 400. Waiting for the music. Never will forget the music ever again. Oh, geez. I need to start right now. <laughs> Sorry, I have to add that little gag in because of what happened in the last Cup Series results video or episode, excuse me, because going back and looking back at that recording that I posted for you guys for everyone to listen to completely forgot about the music, the transition music that I have from the intro into the final results. I do apologize. That's just a very, very bad move on my part. I usually never forget that. I really don't. And for some reason, in that particular episode, I must have been exhausted because I forgot the intro and I left for you guys on silent for about five to six seconds until I do like this big old snort through my nose and (laughs) then I start talking again. So kind of a little funny gag there. That is 100% my fault. But I I figured I'd laugh it off and just move on from it because uh, you guys still came back and listened to me. Thank you guys so much for dealing with my shenanigans. But here in this race, we had a total of 37 cars on the entry list, only one open charter car, and that was the number 13 of Chandler Smith. As you guys remember, Chandler Smith tried to make it into the Daytona 500 with Colleg Racing. He was one of the two cars that failed to qualify. Luckily, he did not have to worry about qualifying since it got rained out for one, and two, there was not enough cars 
to um, have anyone have to go home since there was only one open charter car. So he was able to race in this race and what a great momentum he was having from the Xfinity Series races. He got his first win there. So you know he was riding all the highs in this race. But let's look at a few more stats before we dive into each driver. We had eight cautions for 54 laps and 22 lead changes amongst 11 different drivers. In the end, though, it has been a driver who's been running up front, been so close to getting victories. Now, finally, everything was put together, and he's finally in victory lane. Of course, I'm talking about the number five of Kyle Larson, the 2021 champion, finally gets the victory that he deserves, and he was able to get it here at Richmond Raceway after leading 93 laps. He is your winner of the seventh race of the 2023 season. In the second spot, we have the number nine of Josh Berry, his teammate, the top finishing driver who was not running for Cup Series points. We will talk about more of him in just a moment. And third, we have the number one of Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, and the number 20 finishes fourth. And round out the top five was the number four of Kevin Harvick. Big congrats to Kyle Larson. I figured he was one of those drivers who was either going to do really, really good, or he was going to have himself a bad finish. If you guys did take a chance on him, it really did pay off. I was very impressed by that because I'm going to be honest with you. I did, th- I did not think he was going to be running for the victory. I thought maybe there could be a chance he could be running in the top five. But I also felt like there was a chance that maybe a pitch strategy would not work well for him and he would wind up finishing 12th or 13th. Something just told me that that was going to happen. But he was clearly one of the strongest cars throughout the race. And shame on me for only having him as a take-a-gamble driver because he clearly proved me wrong as he was able to finish at the top and be near the front for the most part of the race except for the middle part. He was a little upset set with the way his car was handling but they were able to figure it out so big victory for Kyle Larson a shout out to the guy who finished second and also the guy who finished third the number nine of Josh Berry and the number one of Ross Chastain Josh Berry has kind of struggled in that number nine car it's a bad situation no matter which way you look at it I mean you don't have Chase Elliott behind the wheel he is injured right now he should be returning back I do believe not this week but potentially two races from now. I'm trying to remember the timeline. He said he would be gone for six weeks, so that would mean he would return in either the ninth or tenth race. Anyways, Josh Berry was going to take over the, the oval tracks, and then you had Jordan Taylor come over and take over the road courses. For the most part, for most of those races, they've been running at best around in the 20th to top 15. That's about it. Nothing really in the top 10 or in the top 5. Then you got Josh Berry and his team doing a great pitch strategy, having himself a pretty decent car to begin with, and finish second place. That's huge momentum for Josh Berry. That's huge momentum for this 9 team that they greatly need after their primary driver sitting out. Just everything you could have asked for. I think the only thing that they were missing was the victory. And if he was able to get the victory, he would be the first substitute driver to win a race since Jamie McMurray back in 2002, over 20 years ago that happened. How crazy would that have been if Josh Berry was in victory lane? But I feel like the right driver won. Yes, it would have been really cool to see Josh Berry win, but at the same time, he's not really running for points, so it really wouldn't have made a factor. A great story and definitely opened an opportunity for a Cup Series ride. But Kyle Larson definitely needed this win way more than Josh Berry. Ross Chastain has been really struggling here at this racetrack, and he proved me wrong once again. It it seems like tracks last year that he was struggling at, he's been doing really good. Ran around the top five the entire race. Uh, I just need to apologize for that because I did not really expect that out of Ross Chastain. I don't think a lot of people did. I think they expected, yeah, maybe a top 10, maybe. 
but we didn't consider this to be one of his greater races so far at the beginning of the 2023 season. I mean, led 16 laps, was able to score 48 uh, fantasy points, just an overall great run. And I thought it was in the bag that you would pick Byron over Ross Chastain. And for the most part, it did look like that. But I didn't realize it was going to be that close between those two drivers. Christopher Bell, we knew he was going to be really doing really good in this race. A lot of people had him as a surprise winner, which was kind of weird. You just kind of expect the Toyotas to do really good. And then Kevin Harvick, another good finish for him. Really reliable at this track. Trust him in the fall race because he's going to probably be running up inside the top five once again. Let's move on to the rest of the top 10 as we have the number 34 of Michael McDowell. The number 22 of Joey Logano finishes 7th. Then you have the 48 of Alex Bowman in 8th. Ty Gibbs, the top finishing rookie, able to finish 9th. And then rounding up the top 10, you got the number 6 of Brad Keselowski. Biggest name that pops up here is the number 34 of Michael McDowell. He also did a pitch strategy with Josh Berry that really paid out. He stayed out as long as he could, and it paid huge dividends to them as they were able to finish six. Nobody had them on the radar. Big congrats to them. They just got to find ways to get top tens like they were doing last year, and definitely a track where Michael McDowell struggles. This is going to bring him a lot of momentum. I don't know if it's going to carry over into the dirt race at Bristol, as that's going to be a very unique race in its own. But it could really give them a lot of momentum for other short tracks that we've seen Michael McDowell do good in the past. I mean, he's a good road course racer. Sometimes that blends over to race tracks like Martinsville. So it could really help out Front Row Motorsports. The biggest thing is, at least they're getting their feet back on the ground. It seemed like at the beginning of the year, they were struggling trying to finish inside the top 20. Now for them to get the sixth place finish, it's got to feel really good for Michael McDowell and Front Row Motorsports. Joey Logano and Alex Bowman, we figured that they be running around this position I expected Joey Logano to do a tiny bit better but still able to finish in the top seven that is pretty good for him Alex Bowman just really just a top 10 guy right now really consistent and there's no reason to really back down from Alex Bowman unless you think there's going to be some other races in the future where he could be a contender for the victory I mean he's running really good The team has shown super consistency even after the suspension that happened with his crew chief. They've just been running really, really well. And everyone's talking about William Byron and Kyle Larson, but really don't shy away from Alex Bowman because he has been putting up some really good finishes there and is proving to everyone why Henrik Motorsports wants him to stay in that 48 car. Ty Gibbs, great job for him. I was very nervous about him just for the fact that he's a rookie. But at the same time, the Toyota owners 400, the Toyotas um, kind of were a little lackluster, but they still did show speed. And Ty Gibbs was the second best finishing Toyota. Definitely starting to get momentum in his direction as well. I mean, he did really good in the race at Circuit of the Americas. Now he gets a top 10 here as well at Richmond. So things are looking really good for the rookie and could potentially be a driver to take a gamble on here in the next few races coming on forward. I mean, the the next short track should be minus Bristol is, like I said, Martinsville. And we know how good he runs at Martinsville in the Xfinity series. He's not afraid to use the chrome horn, so he might be a good driver to use and he could potentially get another top 10. Brad Keselowski able to bounce back from a rough run at Circuit of the Americas. I think we just have to prove to ourselves that, hey, don't use him at road courses. But it seems like all the other races, he's going to do just fine. We don't have to worry about him at all. We've talked about the drivers who impressed us. Let's talk about a few drivers who let us down in fantasy that really did surprise us. The first one, the biggest one, being the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. I thought it was a slam dunk that he was going to win this race. And you know what? He had one of the fastest cars. He won stage two. But Denny Hamlin's biggest enemy 
in the race was Denny Hamlin. Two speeding penalties. Also got into the number 15 of Rick Rare Racing, uh, which was J.J. Yaley. I, I don't understand that incident at all. He just basically made another enemy out on the racetrack. It just wasn't a great performance for him. Just a lot of uh, self-wounds for the team. And for them to finish 20th, that is a big shocker. You expect a lot more out of him, but you can't make mistakes like that. And he made it twice in that race as far as pit road went. And he also didn't do himself any justice out on the racetrack. You know, he's talking about a lot of drivers driving disrespectfully. I mean, he's on the same boat with Kyle Busch, but at the same time, he's one of the biggest issues on the track. And (laughs) this was a perfect example. He he took out J.J. Yaley, and and it wasn't like an accidental one. It was like, like, oops, sorry. But it no, it was intentional, fully intentional. And I really think NASCAR needs to really pay attention more to stuff like that because clearly it was an intentional incident. And maybe it should have led to a black flag or something like that. Either way, the point is, Denny Hamlin did not have a good race. And this was a race that we expected him to be running near the front from beginning to end. Not at one point, but throughout the entire race. Another driver who let us down was the number 19 of Martin Trex Jr. Uh, Martin Trex Jr., his was more bad luck. He was similar to Denny Hamlin. He was able to get some stage points in stage two, and he was also able to lead 56 laps, so there was a good portion where he was able to be the leader in the race, but unfortunately, they took a pit strategy that did not work out. Josh Berry and Michael McDowell, they decided to stay out longer, and it worked well for them. Martin Trex Jr. took an extra pit stop early in the race and left him with scruff tires at one of the last cautions which really, really affected their performance. As you guys are aware, when it comes to this racetrack, this track is really hard on tires, almost similar to what we see at Texas and Atlanta before they did the repave. Like, the time just falls off on these tires tremendously, and even six-lap scruffs made that much of a difference, where he was, like, running around in the top three, and he fell back and finished 11th. Fortunately, over the radio, you can see his frustration and how he was yelling back and forth at his crew chief, not understanding why they decided to do that or even why they didn't bother to tell him that they put scruff tires on to begin with. It, it just, you got to feel very nervous to be a Martin Trex Jr. fan to just see him just kind of exploding like that, getting that frustrated. I, I don't think this is the end. Like, that is calling it way too soon. I have a feeling Martin Trex Jr. is going to be able to bounce back at another race down the road. He's still a very valuable driver for Joe Gibbs Racing. It just stinks for him to be struggling this bad near the end of his career. When we know he has a lot of good races still left in him, I mean, he just won his championship about five to six years ago, so that's really not that far off, and it's not anything near what Jimmy Johnson struggled near the end of his career. He's still having some good finishes here and there and being really close to the win. It's just just a bummer here for him to have more bad luck like this, where the pit strategy does not work out for him, and they start imploding as a team. They need to stick together moving forward, but man, that was not a good sign for the Martin Trex Jr. fans couple more drivers who let us down that we need to talk about here real quickly. Uh, We got the number eight of Kyle Busch. Didn't get any stage points at all and finished 14th in this race. I expected a better performance out of him and RCR as a whole, but they didn't really have it here. It it was kind of shocking to see that, to see Kyle Busch finish 14th and Austin Dillon finish 25th. They're usually typically about top 15, top 10 cars. And I thought Kyle Busch was going to do way better because he's really good at this racetrack. This is one of the first times I saw him struggle this bad. 
But then again, that was with a Toyota, and we know how good the Toyotas here, except the only team that they weren't able to beat was Henrik Motorsports. They they are not nearly as strong, and it, maybe it bled out a little bit on Kyle Busch in this race with only a 14th place finish. Right behind him, though, you got a Toyota, the number 45 of Tyler Reddick. This is kind of a tough track for him. He's had some rough finishes in the past. At first, it was looking really good, and then he spun out there near the end. I mean, once you go a lap down here at Richmond Raceway, it's really hard to bounce back. And once Tyler Reddick went a lap down from a pit strategy, it just fell apart for him. It really did. Luckily, he was able to finish on the lead lap, but at the same time, we kind of expected a top 12 minimum from him, and it just didn't pay off. William Byron, this one was the biggest, that was the saddest one for a lot of people because we had him as a top pick. I had him as a top Chevrolet, and everything was pointing in the direction that he was the car to beat once again. Then a restart happens, and unfortunately, he was the victim who got spun out in turns one and two, led 117 laps and won a stage. William Byron is just on fire this year, just a complete turn from the last couple of years. It took him a long time to get his first victory. Last year, he did look good in a few races. He was able to get his victories early in the season, but then was not able to really do anything after that. I really don't see that happening right now. William Byron is the top guy just slightly ahead of Kyle Larson. And I bet you if he doesn't get taken out there near the end, he's right there door-to-door with Kyle Larson and could do another pitch strategy and get ahead of him once again. Uh, For Kyle Larson's sanity, thank goodness that did not happen. But man, what a bummer that he was only able to finish 24th after just such a great performance. It is a bad finish for the number 24 car. But that is very misleading because he had himself a phenomenal race. And once again, proving that you just want him on your fantasy roster right now. Ride the high because, my goodness, there there hasn't really been a race minus Auto Club where he has struggled. He's just been good at every single racetrack. It's been phenomenal. Let's give a quick shout-out for some smaller teams, and then we will move on to the racing as a whole. A shout-out to the number 38 of Todd Gillen for getting a top 15 finish. Man, good bounce back for this team. Front front row motorsports, like we said with Mike McDowell, they were struggling at the beginning of the season, and Todd Gillen was in a bad spot. He's only running 30 races in that 38 car, because Zane Smith is going to take over for six of those races. Luckily, he was able to fill it up with both Rick Rare Racing and the third car for Front Row Motorsports. But my gosh, it, it, it was just a bad spot for him. Now he's getting some really good finishes. So he's proving why he should stay in that 38 car. And I believe he deserves that ride because this 38 car has been struggling for years for someone to have be super consistent in this car. And Todd Gillen is making steps in the right direction. So he definitely deserves that spot. And Chandler Smith with a 17th place finish. He had no practice at all here in the Cup Series with this car and still able to finish in the top 20. Just a good run for him. It was a great weekend for Chandler Smith. And to get the win in the Xfinity Series race and 17th being the top finishing driver over at Colic Racing in the Cup race, Gosh, he's got to be uh, living on cloud nine, and it's going to be pretty exciting to see what he is able to do in the other races because he has a couple more races in the 13 car for the Cup Series, and I'm very excited to see what he can do, especially after a good finish here. Now, let's talk about the racing. The racing was a lot of fun for Richmond Raceway. And I, and I truly mean that because the last few years, it's it's felt like it's just pit strategies. Pit strategies and just pray to God that you're running near the front and you don't have a tight car and you're going to finish up there unless you have a bad pit strategy. That's what it felt like. It did not feel like a short track at all. It felt more like a road course 
and for the wrong reasons. And we didn't get that. We got a lot of passing throughout the race. We saw a lot of bumping and banging, which you expect from a short track race. Richmond kind of got its short track feel back once again. And hopefully the same thing happens in the fall race because this track is definitely an important track on NASCAR's schedule. It's been there near the very beginning, and people did not want to see it much longer. They really didn't. I know I was one of them, and it was terrible for me to say that, but thank goodness we had a fun race here where you had a lot of bumping and banging, some good passing here and there, but you also had that pit stop strategy field because when pit stop strategies can be very entertaining where you got to be smart on uh, when you go in and when you stay out, that could also create some excitement too. But adding the extra chaos uh, for a short track fail, that just puts the icing on the cake. And I really feel like it's going to be near the top, if not the top race of the year. And that's pretty big to say. You have some great contenders. You have the Auto Club race. If you were able to cut the last 10% of Circuit of the Americas, you had that race as well, the Daytona 500. A lot of people enjoyed that one as well. So for it to be right up there with all the rest of those, that's a great performance by Richmond Raceway. And I don't think it's been there near the top in a very, very long time. All I can say is I'm excited for the when they return back here in the fall around the month of August. I keep saying fall. That's the summer. Uh, when they return to Richmond in August. There we go. Coverage was a little bit better. It, it felt like a little bit better. It was entertaining to watch. I know you still have that feel of Mike Joy and Clint Boyer just really not blending too well up there in the booth. I'm not saying with each other, just overall providing just good commentary from beginning to end for the fans, but, and they're both really good. They, it's, they just been struggling this year, but to have Larry McReynolds back up there, thank goodness. Cause Larry felt like he didn't even miss a beat. He was right up there giving us great strategies and it felt like he just worked out so good up there and he likes Clint Boyer. They, they are able to bounce off of each other really well. So at least the coverage was good. It could always be better, but hey, at least we didn't miss a bunch of stuff like we have the last few races. Overall, for memorability, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. I think the racing was fun, and in a way, the right person won. Kyle Larson, he may have been the second or even sometimes third best car in the race, but it was Ricky Hendrick's birthday if he was still here on this earth. So to see that five car in victory lane with that paint scheme, that's always a great moment, and it just, the legacy continues for Ricky Henrik, thank goodness, and you you can't ask for a better story there, and you can't ask for a better race for Larson to win. It almost felt like Denny Hamlin last year with the bad luck. Obviously, Kyle Larson's doing a lot better instead of just getting into a random incident. He's just finished second just by a bad pit strategy. That's that's all there is to it. Um, aggressiveness, there was a lot of that, so you had a lot of good competitive racing between William Byron, Kyle Larson, sometimes Ross Chastain, then you had the Toyotas at one point pop up, but then they made their mistakes. So you, you couldn't really predict who was going to win the race either. And then the racing product as a whole, it was a short track fail. And you just got to love that. I think the only down you can give for the race is the fact that everyone blamed Ross Chastain near the end for incidents. And then you had Denny Hamlin causing incidents. These two cannot stay out of controversy. And I just hate that they're staying in that controversy, even when it's not 100% their fault. If you guys do not remember, uh, Christopher Bell ran to William Byron, but Christopher Bell immediately blamed Ross Chastain. And then everyone agreed, oh yeah, it's Ross Chastain's fault. It's Ross Chastain's fault. I'm tired of these two 
always be in the center of controversy in each and every race. I mean, it's great that they're creating stories, but at the same time, I don't want to hear the same story over and over. That's probably the only down. But overall, 9 out of 10, Richmond Raceway. Can't wait to see him again in August. That will conclude the final results for today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening. A little bit of a shorter episode, but you know what? We covered the most important things, and we didn't have too much to complain about, and that's always a good thing. So thank goodness for that. I still feel like it was a really good race, and you really can't complain about that, especially for it being a racetrack that has struggled the last couple of years. Let's go to our top three for our fantasy results here this week. Once again, I screw up, and I finished near the back. I've just been struggling this year. I don't know what is going on, but it's just been the way it is. But here's the top three here this weekend from the Fantasy Filler Podcast, scoring two 234 points. Great job to Mr. Fast and Turn. You are the winner here this weekend in fantasy. Finishing second, we have Earn Dog 2003. Haven't seen that name before, but congratulations to you to be able to finish in the second spot with 218. And then we have Penske 12222 with 214 points. Another top three finish for you. Some other people very, very close. Overall, 13 people were able to finish with 200 plus points. It's great performances by you guys. Me, I was sitting at a solid 178 because I forgot to switch it in the middle of the race. I kept Tyler Reddick in and I forgot to change him out with Christopher Bell. Ugh! A uh, terrible move on my part, but even then, I wouldn't have been able to hit the 200, so that's just been the year for me, so luckily, I'm not going to be winning this uh, <laughs> this um, fantasy league, so at least we're going to be able to give a diecast out to somebody. Right now, the leader is Hebrew Hammer, just killing it with a hun- with 1,421 points, with Sammy Bygone in second and 1,379, and then third, you got Chevy Driven with a three at 1,345, so very close there for the lead. If you still want to join our league to try to get a shout-out in the top three, Join us at fantasygames.nascar.com. Look up Fantasy Filler Leagues. You'll be able to find us already. We have about 50 people right now. We have 13 kind of ghost accounts, but still a lot of people competing, and you guys have just been kicking ass each and every week, so great job to you guys. If you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on TikTok as well as YouTube and Twitter, TikTok Vanilla Wafers. I post most of the time daily videos, about five videos every single week. It's been a lot of fun there, all NASCAR related. YouTube, I've been posting a video once every two weeks, all talking about NASCAR. NASCAR history. That's been really fun posting a video here tonight, which is Monday night. So keep an eye out for that. If you tune into this episode, either Tuesday or Wednesday, I should have it definitely out at that point. Or if you want to talk to me during the race, reach out to me on Twitter at Vanilla Wafers. I'm usually active on there. Just ask me a question. I will respond as fast as I can. Don't forget, we do have a race here for Easter weekend. They used to not do that, but now apparently we're not celebrating Easter nearly as much as we used to. So they will be running in the Bristol Dirt Race. And let me tell you, if you want to talk about a crazy race that's unpredictable, the Bristol Dirt Race is where it's at. So we're going to be talking about our top fantasy picks there. We might have a guess. We might not. I don't know at this point. Like I said uh, in the last episode, it's flip a coin. We, that's been our luck for guests, but you guys seem to enjoy it either way. We will give you those good fancy picks. That is for sure. So let's wrap up things there. I have been your host, Vanilla Wafers, and I have been able to take you to the front of the field. So why don't we grab that checker flag, do some burnouts, and head on out. So you all take care. This has been the Fantasy Filler Podcast. <laughs>